Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Wednesday, November 30th. It is six minutes after 11. His name is Rob Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels, and we're glad you're joining us this morning. So Richard Allen is likely the man seen and heard in the Down the Hill video taken on Libby German's phone just before she was murdered in 2017. That's what it says in the probable cause document, which was released yesterday. The names of the witnesses in the document were redacted. The document says that a 40 caliber bullet, which was unspent, was found between the bodies of Abby Williams and Libby German. And it was linked by ballistic tests performed in a state lab. Okay, so we got a lot out of this yesterday. I am would be fascinated to know internally why they fought this coming out because they've got a lot of stuff on this guy. I mean, that a lot of things that you look at and go, okay, as as a general, you know, member of the public. Obviously, we're also a member of the media, but as someone who has not covered the case intimately or whatever, just an outside person looking in, I would say there's some pretty compelling evidence mm-hmm. against this guy which look let's face it cases are tried in the court of public opinion as well even though jurors are supposed to be picked and be blind to the facts and everything else that doesn't always happen this is some and i use the term good obviously not in the sense of it's good that any of this happened but good stuff in terms of strong evidence Mm -hmm. against this guy the bullet being the big one now Mm -hmm. this guy clearly if indeed this is true is definitely not going to be accepted to an Ivy League school anytime soon because they had he had five years to get rid of this weapon, mm-hmm. and he kept the weapon on his basically on his person for five years. If indeed it was committed in a heinous crime, and he had a million opportunities to get rid of this weapon over five years, what a what a ding dong! And I guess we're lucky for that. Also, I guess we kind of learned from this that it was. Uh, gun related mm-hmm. we had, uh, everything had been kind of sealed up on this right. on what exactly happened and if indeed this is to be believed then that was part of uh part of the equation here so one thing that is interesting and i would love to know in this affidavit from what i saw didn't really spell this out it's kind of like if you're reading a book and then they just fast forward five years and they pick the character up five years later they just kind of hop from 2017 to present day and you don't get a real clear idea on what led them to him was this keegan klein Mm -hmm. was you know how did this guy get back on the radar how did they get the you know the ability to get the gun etc so there's still you know a lot of stuff that we don't know of in this you know huge window here but that seems to be a somewhat if indeed it is accurate, it is to be believed, et cetera, a smoking gun, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. He actually admitted to being on the trails of the day that the girls went missing. He even said that he saw several females. He even described them. And then witnesses turned around and described a man matching his description, wearing a Carhartt jacket and jeans and the witnesses also say that the man's jeans were muddy and bloody and looked like he had been in a fight. And they also gave a general description of a vehicle that was parked near the trails. And they said they saw Alan's Ford Focus, his vehicle. Here is the question, though, 
and again, we don't know this. Maybe there is a logical answer to it. There is strong circumstantial evidence. Take the gun out of the equation. There's strong circumstantial evidence on this guy based on what you said. WIBC.com has the, the full report. You can read the affidavit. It, mm-hmm. it, is, it is public now. Many news agencies have, have published it. There's strong circumstantial evidence on the guy not related to the gun. I want to know how they got the gun. Maybe I totally missed it. I don't think I did. But how they got the gun and what took five years. This guy's in the town. He looks like the original description. There's strong circumstantial evidence not even related to the weapon in question. And also, as a follow-up to this, why did they tell us to ignore the original description and go with this new description when this guy looks exactly like the first description. He looks nothing like the second one. Mm-hmm. He looks exactly like the first one. So it's almost like he was never even on the radar. He's denied knowing the girls or having any involvement in the murders. His lawyers have said they don't believe the state has much of a case. <laughs> well, I mean, if you've but got... But the lab the- tests are connecting the bullet that was on the ground between the bodies and the one that he well, owned. right. And what is it? what are his attorneys going to say? Well, yeah, he totally did yeah. it. And man, there's a mountain of evidence against him. He's totally screwed. I mean, they're, they're, of course, not going to say that. But you've got him putting himself at or near the crime scene. You've got witnesses putting him there. You've got ballistic evidence that seemingly ties him to the act in question. Mm-hmm. But I, I just feel like there's a lot of holes still in this, and maybe it will come out in the trial. Obviously, it will have to come out in the trial about how they put this all together and what took so long. And I am I am just so fascinated with why they said do not use the first description, use the second description, when the guy ended up looking just like the first description. Now they want the case moved at least 150 miles from Carroll County. They said because of the extensive media coverage, it's impossible for this guy to get a fair trial. And they're citing Google Trends. They said that in Carroll County, between 1,000 and 10,000 times, his name was Googled in a county that only has 20,000 residents. So that is, on average, 50%. Yeah, no, no, One no, in every two. It's got to be moved. There's no way that they would risk this something like this if they've got an ironclad case. And, and if you're a prosecutor, you'd almost want it moved. Because if you have ironclad evidence, mm-hmm. you don't want anything that says, wow, this guy might on appeal be able to have a case. And and, and, it, and our system is based on innocence until guilt is proven. And mm-hmm. even this guy and everybody else is entitled to that. He deserves a fair trial. If they get him and he's the guy, then you want him to have a fair trial. They've got to move this case. Mm-hmm. But the longer, it just seems like the longer it takes a fair trial it's well it is but you got you got to try to do everything you can and within your power they do have the power to get it moved out of out of carroll county yeah it's 12 minutes after 11 with kendall and casey on 93 wibc let's talk about this rail strike because uh, both parties democrat and republican leaders lined up to talk with joe biden and they're trying to head off this potential freight rail strike uh now they were supposed to have what until december 9th this deadline of december 9th to get this all under control but things are moving faster than that well so the problem here so there's whatever there's something like 12 of these railroad unions and a bunch of them voted to approve this deal uh that biden helped negotiate 
and four of them, I think, did not. And it's almost like you got to have them all in together or it doesn't matter. And so there is the Congress has the ability because of, you know, interstate commerce. They oversee that they have the ability to force these workers to return to work. And so since four of these unions voted no, and while the technical day would be December 9th, businesses have to begin to prepare. What do we plan to ship? Mm-hmm. How are we going to get it there? Mm-hmm. Is there a way to make other plans? The Congress has to act basically immediately on this. And it is really an example of what complete hypocrites most of these Democrats are, because when they're running for public office, it's union everything. Mm-hmm. Unions deserve it all. It's the greedy, greedy, greedy owners that are sticking it to the unions. And if you're a union man, we're with you. What Biden do? He sided with <laughs> sided with the bosses and said, yeah, Congress, you better tell these ding-dongs to get back to work. Mm -hmm. Biden is sticking it to the union, which is the right thing to do, because these unions have tried to say, well, we've got the entire nation over a barrel here. We've got that. We've got. We've got. I can't say that. We've got them by the. I, I can't say what I was going to say. We've got them by, but we've got them in a hard place here. We know what they've got them. Yeah, by. and mm-hmm. and so we're going to pressure them. And Biden was like, dude, we just midterms are over now. I can do what I want, and y'all forget about this by the time the presidential election's up. So get to work. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it does affect everything. Everything that consumers and businesses depend on, from the food we eat to the cars we drive. It's most likely been shipped by train. And if it doesn't move, this is, I, I saw this statistic and I, I thought it was staggering. If railroads did not move freight in the United States, it would take over 99 million additional trucks traveling on public roads. And it would take four times more fuel than rail to handle the freight that we Americans rely on right. every day. So Joel Griffith of the Heritage Foundation did an excellent job. I think he was on Newsmax yesterday. He did an excellent job mm-hmm. of explaining what's happening and what's at stake with this if Congress doesn't act. Well, that's right. The railroad companies have actually been negotiating for two years with the unions to reach an agreement. And the deal that was reached in September of this, pa- of this year uh, by the Presidential Emergency Board, it was a fair deal. 24% raise over five years, $1,000 annual stipends to railroad workers. It was a fair deal. And Congress really should step in now and enforce the terms of that agreement. It was fair. And what this potential strike really underscores is the stranglehold that unions have over our workforce. Is making it very difficult for employers to actually meet employee needs. So the bottom line of this is when you got 30% of our goods being transported by rail, if we have this railway shutdown, we estimate this will hurt families to the tune of $800 per month, families across the board, because it'll stifle the flow of goods across this country. So Nancy Pelosi said that she plans to hold a vote on the uh, bill on the House floor today. Bernie Sanders said that he will push for a vote that aims to give rail workers more paid sick leave. All right. When we come back, the big announcement, Casey. Are we talking about your vacation? We have decided. Have I've you, taken, have I've you taken, made a decision? I've taken all the audience input. There was some crisis this morning in terms <laughs> of attempting to take audience input. We will give you all the details on all of that and yeah. audio from one of the people I'm going to meet while I'm on vacation. Oh, that's right. Okay, that's coming up from 93WIBC. So we finally have an answer of how Rob is going to betray me. He's going to leave me high and dry. 
this was a whole deal. Mm-hmm. Like, so I loathe not being at this job <laughs> because my job is my hobby, mm-hmm. and I know how much it enrages people who I really don't care for. Mm. And so I am very hesitant to take time off. Our previous employer was. I gave us more flexibility in terms of carrying days over. Yeah, if you didn't use them, you could roll them over into right. the next calendar year. And our current employer apparently has some sort of policy that I found out related to that, but not days from the old employer, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. So they had told me, you must use these days or you're going to lose them. Mm-hmm. I had petitioned for more carryover. I found out there is, I'm going to get some carryover, but not from what I initially knew I had, they said, you have to pick these days. So I asked the people, I said, you want me to spread them out mm-hmm. or do you want me to... Just take them all at once and be gone for two weeks. Yeah. And... Three weeks. Whatever. I decided... How much vacation time do you have? Well, I had the full 80 hours. Okay. So 10 days. Okay. And then I logged into our system to put these the information in today after my initial, what I thought, and I found out I have more hours than I thought I had. <laughs> and I thought... I'm going to literally basically have to take off December 9th and be done for the mm-hmm. end of the month at this rate. Mm-hmm. So I did a 911 <laughs> correspondence with our boss. Yeah. He informed me that the hours I've accrued from our new employer may be carried over. Oh. So good. I will not have to be gone the entire month of December. Mm-hmm. But what I've decided to do, because I'm a consensus builder, Casey. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I love to hear from all sides. Yeah. I'm a very understanding person. Sure. I love a variety of viewpoints. Sounds just like you. My mind can be easily changed. Mm-hmm. I decided to try Dissuade to easily. find this consensus yeah. on this. And uh, beginning December 22nd, which is a Thursday, mm-hmm. you will not see me for the remainder of the year. We do get the 23rd and 26th off as a paid uh, company Mm -hmm. day, Mm -hmm. but I will be taking... So basically, my last day here will be Wednesday, December 21st, and then you will not see me for the end of the year. Okay. And then I'm going to scatter Mm -hmm. my other days off beginning... Monday, December 5th. (laughs) Well, you came in this morning and you said, so I'll be here Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. (laughs) Well, that's it until January. And I was like sending my, I was like, you cannot expect me to take all these days off. And then they were like, no, these hours you can carry over. Mm -hmm. These hours you can't. These are what you have to use. This has been approved. Okay. So a little birdie told me that you did this last year as well. Yeah. That you saved all of your vacation days until the end of the year. Well, I got it. But they rolled them over. But they rolled them over. Okay. No, I understand why you had to do it this year because you were co-hostless. Yeah. uh, And so you were manning the ship. You had the con. Yeah. Um, But I'm here now. Mm -hmm. So why have you waited to take all of these days until they're forcing you? Well, I... I was under the impression I'd be able to roll them over again because I was able to manipulate that last year. Right. You weren't anticipating that we would have new ownership and, in September. And yeah. uh, I, I told you, I get uncomfortable. And I, I'm ser- like, ser- like, it sounds funny, but I get uncomfortable when I'm, in case you, you can vouch for this, mm-hmm. like I get uncomfortable when I'm not here. Well, last time you went on vacation on, well, your honeymoon yeah. was when the overturning of Roe v. Wade from the right. Supreme Court yeah. came down. So sure. like- does that happen often every time you leave? Like a major well, story breaks? It's just like, I feel like I, it's like being in the action. I need to be mm-hmm. in the action. And then, so now that I kind of know the new 
policy of the employer mm-hmm. and I've got a pretty firm grasp on what can be carried over and what can't be carried over, I think I might be able to accrue enough this next year that I can carry it all over and we'll just spend the whole year together. <laughs> Until I get fired, okay. inevitably. I found out that I actually have a couple days left oh. that I have to take. So I'm thinking that I will take my remaining couple days when you're not here. And Kevin can just do the show by himself. Yeah, absolutely. Kevin, you, all the Uno Gold music. He'll bring his drum set in. It'll be yeah, great. I know the audience really wants to hear all the music so, stuff and the drums so, and all that. Absolutely. For the, so for the foreseeable future, mm-hmm. I will only be taking off Monday, December 5th <laughs> and Monday, December 12th. And then after that it gets much more gotcha uh prevalent that i will not be in the studio but for at least the first half of december you people are still stuck with me send me an email with your dates that'd be great uh when we come back (laughs) i have a question for you because it obviously has been reported mike braun i I found out has confirmed Mm -hmm. he did file the paperwork to run for governor Mm -hmm. and i have a question about how we should cover mike braun okay because i think this is very interesting and it is half your show Mm -hmm. And I want your input on this. And also, we're going to play some audio proposing an interesting question about introverts. Yes! From Matt Walsh. Yes, and I'm actually going to see Matt Walsh. Right. I'm going to hang out with Matt Walsh. Right. On one on my uh, vacation. Uh, well, I'll, I guess I'll... I'm going to hang out with Matt Walsh in December. How about that? I don't know what days I took off now because there's like nine lists. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to get to both of those things coming up from 93 WIBC. We just heard Kurt Darling mention it. Mike Braun has said that he is running for governor. He's filed the appropriate paperwork to make that happen. Yeah. And that means all the dominoes are going to fall because somebody will want his Senate seat. Yes. And then that'll leave. Yeah. Jim Banks does that. That'll leave an opening where Jim Banks is. Yeah. And then Victoria so on Sparks and so far. is rumored to get in. And then Micah can run. And then we get the post office named after us. <laughs> Uh, it'll, it's all it's all working in our favor, Casey. Mm-hmm. Exactly how we planned. All right. So here is my question for you mm-hmm. on how we handle Braun. Because clearly, he walks in as the favorite because he has infinite money. Mm-hmm. And name recognition. Right. However, you know me. I don't care about who's going to win. Mm-hmm. I care about who's best for the position. Mm-hmm. And right now, you've got Braun... You've got Suzanne Crouch, the mm-hmm. lieutenant governor who's going to run, mm-hmm. and this Eric Doden guy from up in Fort Wayne, who I think was, was Pence's economic counsel something, whatever, who's raised a gajillion dollars somehow, too. I guess it's not how many how many friends you have, it's how rich the friends you have are. Now, with Braun, I will say this. I think Braun would be an infinitely better governor than the current disgrace we have as a governor. That being said... Well, the bar is kind of low. Thank you. I was going to say, uh, anyone not named Saddam Hussein would likely be better than what we have, because that guy is a joke and a zero, and the Republican Party can only go up from Eric Holcomb. So I'm not giving Braun any bonus points because he'd be better than Holcomb. Here's my deal with Braun, and tell me if I'm off base on this. Braun presents himself as an outsider... Mm -hmm who has been trying for the past decade plus to be an insider. Mm -hmm. He has repeatedly, as a member of the Indiana State House, Mm -hmm. as a U.S. Senator, and now Mm -hmm. as governor, Mm -hmm. attempted to use his wealth, which is fine, he earned it great, God bless him, to be an insider, Mm -hmm. right? Like, when he was a member of the State House of Representatives, he voted for all the Holcomb tax increases, the gas tax, whatever it was, 45 tax increases, Holcomb's first year in office. Right down the line, boom, 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 boom. 
there's nothing special about you. You just voted for the same crap everybody else did. It's like he was some guy that goes, I'm here at the state house, and everything is so egregious, I must run for Senate, and I will change the world. Let's go. Mm-hmm. He used his wealth to run over Luke Messer and Todd Rokita. Let's face it, we could run over Messer and Rokita with $9 based on the way those guys acted. And then he becomes a U.S. senator. Okay, fine. He didn't even finish one term, mm-hmm. and he's like, yeah, now I want to be governor. Well, he said that he could do more good for Hoosiers in the state of Indiana by being governor rather than being based out of D.C. and a senator. So so he so he was, okay, let's accept that, the, that he said that. Like, I believe you that he did. He was doing, air quote, good. Good is a very loose and incorrect term based on his voting record as a member of the Indiana State House, he was governing the state of Indiana mm-hmm. as a state rep, which he was far more impacting the state of Indiana as a state rep and voting yes to whatever the party told him to vote for than he was as a U.S. senator. senator. Mm-hmm. This seems like, to me, a guy with infinite money who is on his own self-joy trip to whatever office tickles his fancy in the moment and he has enough money to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Tell me where I'm wrong on this. I mean, he's not been good at any of these offices. What what was his signature accomplishment as a state rep? Go. Oh, he voted for the gas tax. Next, his signature accomplishment as a U.S. senator. Go. Nothing. So now you'd be a good governor because what? I mean, I want somebody to answer this question for me. Mike Braun, based on his voting record, not on speeches, but based on his voting record, mm-hmm. and his, and more importantly, based on his, let me phrase it like this, based on his accomplishments, right? Because I'm a businessman, I'm a doer, I'm a guy who can get things done. That's the speech. That's the speech we're going to get, right? Yeah. We already know the spiel. You're going to see a gajillion Mike Braun. I'm an outsider. I'm a businessman. I know how to get things done. Get government out of the way. Mm-hmm. Based on Mike Braun's voting record, and more importantly, his accomplishments, what would lead you to believe he will do a good job as governor? Mm. So, my question to you, Katie, yeah, right, right, exactly. And I'm the only guy in central Indiana who's a Republican who's going to ask these questions. Mm -hmm. And I know it's going to happen. I'm going to be the same thing I always get. I'm going to get vilified. I'm going to get crap talked. I'm going to get told uh, whatever, the usual stuff that comes because I have the audacity to ask these questions. Mm -hmm. So, do we just ignore Braun? And not get the criticism that we get, or do I let, lean I right think, into it? I don't think that would serve Hoosiers well. <laughs> but at the same time, okay, yes, you can go on his record and what he's done, but I I think you can't be closed-minded about what he wants to do before you've given him a chance to do it. Does that make sense? Say that again. You can't be closed-minded about what he wants to do before you've given him a chance to to prove it to you. But but he he is a career politician at this point, right? At, at this point, I, yes. Right? He, he I, I agree with you that he can't go with I'm an outlier he, he, speech he, because he's been in politics for too long. He, now. he desperately wants to be in politics mm-hmm. and he has figured out a mm-hmm. way to use his infinite wealth, which I have zero problem with. He earned it great good for him mm-hmm. to basically buy whatever seat is most interesting to him mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the moment. I mean, let's let him run. See what his platform is. What is he going to say? Will he debate? Because I think the governor's race is going to be super interesting on the Republican primary because you've got Braun. And again, I'm the only guy that's talking about this right now. And I'm sure I'll be uh, 
whatever because of that, and that that's fine because I think Braun will be the chosen one, especially when he starts doling out the favors, etc. Then you've got Suzanne Crouch, and she's most interesting to me because she's sucking up to the conservatives right now. Well, she's going to have to distance herself from Eric Holcomb. But even if she distanced now, how do you explain the past six years? Right. Silent Sally? What, what case are you going to make that you're any different from Eric Holcomb when we, you haven't said word one as he shut down the state, mm-hmm. as he tried to put you in jail for not, not wearing a mask, as he raised taxes like they're going out of style, as he did the VIP meet and greet with Malik Muhammad? You know the list. Mm-hmm. She never says a word. Mm-hmm. So what's her case going to be? It'll be interesting to hear how she will defend that. Um. And then the other thing, and I am—I think I'm most— But when it, when it comes to those two, it's like a Finkel is eyeing her. Well, right, 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 right. And it'll probably be one of those two because they'll have the most money, and that's how this operation works and whatever. The one that's going to be more interesting to me is the U.S. Senate race, if indeed Banks and Sparts mm-hmm. run, because mm-hmm. I think either Banks or Sparts would be infinitely better than Braun was, and I might actually have to vote for a Republican in the U.S. Senate. I don't know that for sure, but I'm excited about that because those two would be giving up cushy jobs to try to get another job, and you want to see a fight to the death. Mm-hmm. You watch two people give up cushy jobs to try to get a job they don't already have. I'm ex- I'm totally excited about that one. Let the, let's see the two goody two-shoes take off the gloves and hit each other with shoes and everything else. I'm totally stoked about that. You don't think there's going to be any sort of uh, dark horse coming in any of these well, races? There could be. Who knows? I mean, yeah. Trey Hollingsworth has infinite family mm-hmm. money, and you know he's proven he's not afraid to... Use his family wealth to raise his profile. So I mean, Jerome Adams is looking for employment. Oh, I would love nothing more than for <laughs> Jerome Adams to run for either governor or senate. And you've got all these these uh, these house races. So uh, this is going to be a really wild time. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to know: Am I going to get in trouble if I have the audacity to ask and say these things about Braun, or am I just supposed to be a butt kisser and say he's the anointed one, let's go? No, I think you need to go with uh, what you've always been doing, and, and nobody gets a free pass. Okay. All right, that's how we'll handle it then. Okay. Hey, let's talk about Matt Wash. You plan on seeing him yes! on one of your many, many days that you have off coming so, up. Okay, so Matt Walsh works for the <laughs> Daily Wire. He's yeah. a commentator. Mm-hmm. I find Matt Walsh fascinating because even when he's being humorous, his facial expression and tone never it's changes. very monotone. And he did that video uh, documentary, What is a Woman? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, full disclosure, uh, my wife is the world's biggest Matt Walsh fan. Mm-hmm. So, Micah had texted me about a week and a half ago that there is a group in central Indiana, and I never heard of these people before this, called First Principles Forum. And they're a bunch of conservative moms mm-hmm. who book high-profile political speakers to come to Indiana. Like Matt Walsh. Yes. And so Matt Walsh is going to be at the War Memorial Mm -hmm. on December 17th. Mm Mm-hmm. And you have tickets. I I did. I purchased them with my own money. Uh, that made a fabulous Christmas present. Mm-hmm. And we are going to get to meet Matt Walsh. You're going to meet him. Yes. I splurged for the very expensive seats. And are you going to yield the floor? You're going to yield your time meeting Matt Walsh so that wife can get a double dip well, and extra time with him? So this is what I need clarification on. Because, look, Matt Walsh seems like a fine guy. Um, and if I met him, I would just look at him and say, Tell me a joke and nice to meet you. Yeah, don't tell me a joke without your your expression. Would be be gushing, right? So is this like? Is it like make her day? Is it like 
I can I can say you go through and then I'll give you my ticket and you can go again so right. you get double the experience. Yes. Or am I bound to have to go and then can I just look at him and say I give my time to her or am I bound to act as though I'm interested in all of this and actually participate in the meet and greet? I think more than anything that you should be supportive of her. Yes. But you should go along to make sure that she doesn't find the BBD. The what? The bigger, better deal. Oh, I was like, what are you talking about, Casey? <laughs> you, you better go. You better go with her. Oh, well, I think Matt Walsh is very happily married and has multiple okay. children. And I don't, I'm not overly worried about that. But, uh, okay. So I, I but yes. Yeah, so Matt Walsh is going to be here December 17th. First Principles Forum is the group that's hosting him. Mm-hmm. And, um, we're going to try to get them on the show because I think what these people do is really interesting. I talked to one of them last week about coming on because they're just like a bunch of moms who are like, we got to do something. Yeah. I think they're out of Hamilton County and they said, we need to start educating people on what's going on. I think a great way to do this is get high profile speakers to come in and they booked Matt Walsh. Love it. They're advocating. Well, let's listen to Matt Walsh. Here he is proposing an interesting question, question about introverts. Because this is really goes back to, it does go back to introvert extrovert thing. And what I don't like is that in our society, it's always like, the, it's always, well, let's figure out how to get the introvert to come out of his shell and do things he's uncomfortable with. It never goes the other way. Like, it's never like, can we figure out how to make this extrovert shut the, the hell up for, for, for five seconds? Like, can we figure out how to make, can we, can we figure out how to put you in a shell a little bit more? It never goes that way, you know, in society. I mean, it, that's a real, that's a real fun. There's a book written about this called The Quiet by, I think, uh, Susan Cain, I think it's the author of the book. And, and she talked about this, not really with dancing, but just about how all, it's, it's like society is set up for extroverts. And if you're a more introverted person, it, it's seen as sort of like this problem that we have to get you to not be that way. But we never stop to question what, what's wrong. Why? That's just, that's who your husband is. What's wrong with that? That's just who he is. You're someone who's extroverted, you like to dance. He's someone who's introverted and doesn't like to dance. Who's to say that you have the, the more correct way of looking at the world or being in the world? That's interesting, isn't it? I saw this, I thought, I am guilty of that, trying to pull introverted people mm-hmm. out of their introverted shell mm-hmm. and make them extra. An extroverted person. This really hit home for me, what he was talking about, because my daughter has always been an introvert and me always more of an extrovert. And I would always get on her to speak up, advocate for yourself. Come on, be louder. And it wasn't until she was about 15 that I realized, I know, until she was 15, that it drives her crazy when I'm loud like it drives me crazy that she's quiet yeah and introverts are constantly monologuing in their head and it's exhausting for them to be around hypersocial talkative situations just like it's draining for me not to be around people it's draining for her to be around people yeah, I saw this. I thought this was interesting. I took pause in my life and then I realized I'm not changing. You people need well, to be no, more no, like no. me. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. I don't think it's a matter of you have to change. It's just a matter of understanding where the other person's coming from and accepting them. That's interesting. For the way they are. It is 1145. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. minutes in front of 12. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. 
You got a few more phone calls that you wanted to get to, huh? Yes. Um, Let me give you that phone number one more time. 317-684-8444. Clearly, we appreciate your input. Yes, and the reason we do the voicemails are very clear. A lot of other shows will take phone calls. These airwaves and airtime is so valuable. And we touch so many people and we influence so many people. We can't risk a single second to a call that might not be to the level that we demand, um, that our audience demands from us. So so we've set up this voicemail. That way I can kind of vet through them. As you know, that'll enable me to put haters straight at the front of the line. Just all <laughs> the things that make this show what people, uh, mm-hmm. what people enjoy from nine until noon each day. Uh, we have... Uh, begun to talk about the changing of the political landscape here in Indiana. Obviously, the big news that Braun's running for governor mm-hmm. means Victoria Sparks will likely win uh, a run for uh, U.S. Senate. Um, and then that means her congressional district would open up, which means uh, another shot, because we have several friends, people I guess we would call friends, who might be running for this, that if they were to be successful, this would give us our best shot ever at getting the post office in Brownsburg named after us. Because don't congressmen, don't they like name post offices? <laughs> Isn't that, is that part of what they what they do? I'm sure. And that's the main reason why they all run. And too. somebody yeah. took uh, us serious enough that they called about this. <laughs> Hey, Rob, AC and Kevin, this is Gert from Carmel. I'm listening to you speaking about wanting to have the Brownsburg Post Office named after you. The closest Rob will ever come to the Brownsburg Post Office will be to have his picture on the 10 most wanted people (laughs) in Indiana and that's not a positive. I love you, Rob. Keep it up. Love Casey and Kevin. Later. Bye. Oh, Gert is correct. That is the closest you will ever come. You can't even get on the wall in the Brownsburg yeah. High School Hall of Fame. Yeah, and I think after my comments on Braun, it's going to be another four years of the Sagamore, the Wabash being out the window. No, no. And I've sacrificed a lot for you people over the years. <laughs> uh, as you may know, yesterday, Casey, Todd Young, voted once again to put the government in charge of your right to assimilate and have a contract with whoever you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, he voted to say that you, uh, the federal government has the right to say who you can marry. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, Now, the question about this is the gay marriage bill, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I was told there would be accountability for Todd Young. Mm. Weren't you? You remember those people? I, I do. And you were wondering when the accountability yes. club meets. Yes. I don't know when this is happening. Has the club been formed? Because clearly uh, thus far since his reelection, it has just been uh, more middle fingers to the conservatives who told me they were going to hold him accountable. So if you, somebody can let us know when this accountability club is going to start, mm-hmm. it clearly has not started yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody wanted to call about that. Enjoy your show. And I'm going to tell you, I did not vote for the Duke of Spendingburg. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew that when he went back to Washington out there that he would turn and vote right with the Democrats. He ain't nothing but a closet Democrat. And it's a shame that the state of Indiana and the people voted for that man to go back to the uh to be a senator, and they need to get him out, and they need to change the Republican Party to a conservative party. And I enjoy your show, Rob. Keep up the work. Keep telling the truth. Mm-hmm. I back you 100%. Thank you. Bye. 
So the final vote on that was 61 to 36, and Todd Young was one of 12 Republicans who voted for that. And this is what I've told you people. And now it's bouncing back to the House. You're never going to hold him accountable. He doesn't care about you at all. He laughs at you. He knew you would cower and vote for him because you're afraid of Democrats. You're never going to primary him. The system is rigged in people like him, their favor. You can't even, it's very hard to even get on the ballot to challenge him, much less beat him. Mm -hmm. He has infinite money. You had the opportunity to hold him accountable. You voted out of fear. You get the government you deserve. Todd Young will be laughing at you if you're a conservative for the next six years. All right. Thank you, Rob. Good job, Kevin. And thank you for listening today. And we're going to count on you to be back here tomorrow. This is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.